0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Leadership Now with me, Dan Pontefract, special guest today, uh, Eloise Skinner. She's a author, therapist, teacher, and the founder of two educational businesses, the Purpose Workshop and One Typical Day, among other things that we're going to get into, Eloise, so don't worry. She was born in East London. She studied at Cambridge, trained at Oxford. She started out in corporate law, and I say started out because she's no longer uh, there, Spending your training in a monastery community, get that, and now focuses on education, social impact, and integration by essentially living and and espousing uh, verbs like intention and integrity and, of course, purpose. Uh, she sits on the youth board of the UK's National Social Mobility Charity. And she's also the enterprise advisor for the mayor of London's education and career strategy. She's won a bucket load of awards. And it's really my honor today to have you here, Eloise, because I want to get into a few things with you. Let's start first, because by introduction, you know, you have changed, you've evolved from you know, law to maybe going into the monastery, or at least being trained for a monastery community to this wonderful um, evolution where you're now not just founder and business owner, but you have a myriad different things that you get into uh, from the workshops, from your writing, from your board work, from your therapy. It is, it is quite pervasive. So let's, let's go back to you think you're going to be a lawyer and then go from there.
1: Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me, and um, yeah, really excited to be here and talk about all the various (laughs) strands that I've been trying to pursue throughout the last decade or so. And so, yeah, like you said, I started out thinking I was going to be a lawyer, and in the UK, the legal route is quite traditional, so you do a set number of years, or the way it used to be, you do a set number of years at university, then you do some training, and then you qualify, and you can become a solicitor a barrister right. and I went down the solicitor route so that was really a choice I made when I was about 16 so it comes from a long period of time studying and figuring out you know what do you want to do at university and I studied law so that was kind of a natural evolution of a path that I'd really chosen for myself a long long time ago and then I think when I got into my when I actually qualified as a lawyer so five years down the line of actually being in corporate law it had almost been a decade of being on the same path and not really having the opportunity to think like, is this what I want to do? Or is there something else out there? And so, you know, when I was around in my late twenties, I was thinking maybe this choice that I made when I was 16, isn't still the right thing for now. Um, So that was my journey through the legal profession.
0: Amazing. And so from there, you're, I suppose, right. Going through that existential self-awareness analysis, almost, not quite identity crisis, but like, who am I and what am I trying to achieve? How did you get to where you are today? Like there's a, almost a gap between sort of your late, uh, mid to late twenties to where you are today. So tell us a bit about what you had to wade through, uh, some of the, I guess, uh, conversation you had with yourself and with family or friends to, to get to where you are today.
1: Yeah. I think there'd been a long process of figuring out, um, what my purpose or role or what I could do in the world, like how I could contribute or use my skill set for something that was meaningful to me. And I think with law, you know, I've been so intellectually interested in it and it being been a really fulfilling career in that sense of, you know, it was challenging, it was demanding, it was everything that I had wanted from the first career. Um, but I got to the point where I wasn't sure if it was really my contribution or I wasn't sure if it was the most mm. that I could contribute in the most effective way. And so I'd gone on sort of a professional career journey of trying to find purpose and meaning, but also a personal one and a spiritual one as well. And um, that was that sort of started quite early on in my 20s. So it was really, you know, from the time I was like 21, 22, I was going through lots of different fields of um I guess areas of study that had talked about this topic of meaning and purpose before. So I started out in like religion and spirituality, but I also went through yoga, meditation, mindfulness, and then into the more like therapeutic approaches to purpose. So that's the field of logotherapy, Viktor Frankl's, Parak Search for Meaning, that sort of that, that sort of thing. Um, and those were fields that I didn't even know existed. So I was kind of amazed to find this whole academic purpose-finding area existed and that really interested me and that was when I decided you know I think I want to go into existential therapy which is the therapy I am trained in and yeah and and sort of exploring different fields from there.
0: It's so amazing so you almost um I guess found and defined your sense of purpose through your exploration and now here you are uh delivering on the purpose workshop and working with clients and individuals I suppose right on that almost same journey so how did you make the leap from well I know who I am now and I know what I want to be or I know how I want to get there and also complement that by actually focusing on the sense of purpose and, and meaning itself for others
1: yeah it's kind of funny actually that you could come through that whole journey and then at the end of it be like oh my purpose is actually to help other people find their power <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe I was just focusing on the wrong person rather than <laughs> um but yeah there was there was a little bit of like um Mostly, I I guess I see my role a bit as a teacher, like I sort of, I don't think I have any of the answers, I don't think I can tell anyone else what their purpose is, and when I write and teach about these things, I'm really careful to say, like, I have no idea what this answer is for you, or even if there is like one set answer, right. um, but I, what I want to do, I guess, is give people the toolkit or the ability to go and do that work for themselves, so that's really my work is very practical and it's focused on um, giving people the ideas and the frameworks and the tools and the guidance that they can go out and do their own exploratory journey um, and it, yeah I think for myself the deeper I went into this work and the more I went into these traditions the more I could see that maybe there wasn't going to be a specific answer or a perfect conclusion to the journey and I think you know, a lot of these traditions are really leaning into the questions themselves. And I think that's probably the thing that most interests me of helping other people just start to explore those questions is probably where I see my work rather than helping someone get to the answer. or helping uh, myself.
0: So in those in, in thus the exploration of, of people and their sense of purpose, identity, uh, meaning, and so forth, uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious, because I, I mean, I, I wrote a book called The Purpose Effect, finding meaning in yourself, your role, and your organization. So the question for you is, uh, is the organization these days prepared to help the the individual with that sense of purpose? We'll start there first. Do, Do you see any symbiosis between us as human beings and the place in which we work and the sense of purpose?
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I think it probably depends on which organisation, um, <laughs> which organisation you're thinking of. There are certainly organisations that are not that bothered about helping individuals find their sense of purpose. Um, but I think with this and what I see a lot working with, yeah, sort of the younger generation or the generation that are coming up into the workplace now for the first time, um, these are people who are quite um, aware of the need to find meaning and purpose and identity for themselves and who are not willing to settle for something that's just handed to them in return for a nine-to-five job and a salary and you know those things are great and really important fundamental but also I think people are now interested in finding a little bit more um, depth and purpose in the work that they do And that's really exciting to me because I think this generation is maybe the one that's going to sort of force the organization to take a deeper look at um, topics like meaning and purpose. But I do a lot of um, corporate speaking events where I talk to young professionals. And I don't think those organizations, at least the ones that I've worked with, I don't think they're afraid of people going on their own purpose-finding journey. But you would think, you know, the risk there is that people turn around and say, oh, I figured out my purpose and it's not here. It's somewhere (laughs) else.
0: See you, right? Yeah.
1: Thanks for the workshop. Um, but yeah, I think it's really encouraging to see that organizations are not afraid to let people figure out their sense of purpose. And ultimately I think that's a beneficial thing for the corporation as well, because you get employees who are who know that the employer is invested in them, who are more aligned to the organization's purpose and ideals once they figure out what those are and who can just be honest with them with themselves and with the employer as well.
0: So in, in your exploration, uh, we'll con- continue on that thread. Where's your assessment of the organization, though, you know, with, with this whole concept of purpose? And so I, I'll, I'll color that or flavor it with, I do believe that there are, to your point, some organizations that have, uh, I guess, caught a sniff of the fact that there is good when an organization can both establish its own organizational purpose you know, a social purpose, if you will, but also bringing in folks like you or me to help others in their exploration of their own sense of personal purpose. But my guess my question is, wh- where are we going, Eloise, uh, with the organization? We'll come back to the individuals, but do you see this happening? Are we in a transformation stage? Uh, and, and if so, what's, what's your take on it?
1: Yeah. In terms of organizations in general, developing a sense of purpose. Yeah. I mean, I think um, we've probably all seen in the last few years that organizations are stepping up to find their own sense of purpose or define themselves in alignment with like social causes and things. I think yeah. that's definitely a shift that I've seen. And, you know, even if it, in a field like law um, or in the city, like careers, so investment banking and things like that, I think you're still seeing a shift towards um, those organizations aligning themselves with ideas of inclusion diversity um equality those sort of social ideals that the new Mm -hmm. generation are finding you know uh, key priorities when they're choosing a career so yeah i think that shift is happening and will continue to happen Um, i think as well though it's being shaped by like the people who make up those organizations and also the leaders who are coming into the next stage of taking over the the next generation of leadership and i think when those people have different sets of um different sets of values, different sets of principles. That's when the change takes place because you've got the organization for sure. And like change is happening on that level and that structural level, but really fundamentally these are made up of people and individuals. And I think that's probably where I see the change most. And then it sort of filters down.
0: Excellent. And um, I mean, we can't not escape the word pandemic when it comes to purpose organizations and ourselves. So in this, uh, you know, two, two and a half years of contemplation, of almost um, you know, mirror looking into where where am I? Where should I be going? Do you see this pandemic having any positive return, if you will, despite the fact millions have have died from it? When we are looking at society and kind of the changes that you and I subscribe to,
1: I yeah, I mean, I'd be, I think all sorts of outcomes are gonna happen from the last few years. Like there's definitely been shifts in directions, good and awful obviously for a lot of people. And I think it's been really, a really difficult couple of years for a lot of people. Um, Even if you have financial stability, even if you have all like a job and everything, I think there are challenges that have been immensely like huge for for a lot of, you know, an entire generation of young people um, and people at all levels of their career as well. Having said that, I think, One thing it did give was an opportunity for people to go a little bit more internal in terms of their perception of the world and what was going on. I think it gave people an opportunity to think about Mm. what they want to do, about how they want to spend their time. And um, I work with this concept sometimes called liminal space, which is like...
0: Oh, my gosh, you're kidding me. I love liminality. That's so amazing. That's so (laughs) cute. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's one of my favorite. Is it in your, like, it's in your work as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah I think when you talk about purpose it comes up a lot because it's kind of this idea of like when you're finding your purpose you're almost in this liminal space of transition and yeah this idea of just like being between things like you're not quite in the old thing you're not quite in the new thing either um and for me the pandemic like was a really good example of liminal space on a social and cultural level so we're all kind of stuck in this not quite here not quite there and you could see people trying to clasp, but like the new normal or get into the new stage of but we weren't quite there yet and things are still changing and the fallout is still happening from the years of like you know huge trauma on a on a societal level um but with the opportunity like for liminal space there's a lot of chance for creative thinking for growth for change for redesigning something new and I think you know, if it follows that kind of liminal space template, the years that come after that, when you're redesigning and thinking about how you want things to look now compared to then, I think that's the exciting opportunity to come out of it.
0: Amazing. Uh, and, you know, often when I do get into the liminality or liminal space, people are like, the what? And then you kind of, it's, it's the in-between, it's the, we're before and after, we're, we're going through something. And, you know, it's uh, amazing when people pick up a new word like liminal or liminality and, oh, now I get it. It's quite good. Yeah.
1: Um, I think even the word itself is like when you name something that you were previously like, oh, I don't know where I am. Like it's kind of yeah. confusing. When you give it a name and you give it a term and you can kind of put like you can see it in a, in a clearer sense. You kind of step back from it and you can say, okay, this is this experience. And like, this is the holding stage that we're in. For me, like even that word liminality and the kind of studies behind it and the different traditions that have used that term or used um, sort of cultural rituals and stuff to move through that, those spaces. Even that like in itself has been such a helpful thing for me.
0: I, I really like freaking people out when I, I bring up liminality and that liminal space and I say, well, we have to, we have to get through liminality to get to eudaimonia and that totally freaks them out. Like, right? From what to what you're just using, you're just name dropping words now that are one pound or five pound words. It's like, okay, Dan, whatever. Um, I've, uh, I've, I've been fortunate to have been asked to deliver four Ted's uh, Ted talks now, and here you are, you've got your first. and And so tell us a bit about what, I don't want to spoil it, but tell us a bit about what it, what it is, what you portrayed. Uh, and what you got out of the experience?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was pretty much what we've been talking about so far. Um, there's even a bit of liminality stuff.
0: Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah. So if you, if you, uh, um, when it comes out, when it's published, um, that might be interesting for anyone who's interested in that concept of liminal space. Um, but it was really talking about my journey over the last decade of trying to find purpose in various places, and I went through a couple of lessons of main things that I learned from going through the the path of trying to find purpose in different areas. And I think, you know, one thing I have done um, sort of on a personal quest rather than trying to like learn anything to share with other people, but, you know, obviously there have been lessons along the way. One thing I've sort of encountered is lots of different traditions that have looked at purpose in different ways or have looked at the idea of meaning and personal identity in different ways. And I guess trying to see some similarities or trying to see some elements of consistency between those cultures or traditions that have approached it in lots of different, you know, um, lots of different ways has been really helpful for me in my own personal journey. So that was kind of what I was talking about, like general lessons. Uh,
0: Fantastic. Excellent. Okay. Uh, I did want to also talk about another, uh, endeavor that you've, you've launched, which is called one typical day. So tell us a bit about what that is. and, And again, the purpose of one typical day, if you will.
1: Yeah. One typical day, um, really came out of talking to a lot of students about what they wanted from their careers resources and kind of in line with everything else we've said, what I was seeing was a trend towards students wanting more depth, more integrity in their careers resources that they were offered and just an ability to see a wider scope of careers. So one thing I noticed from a lot of students was like, they knew about the main careers. They knew like banking, law, finance. They knew the traditional professions. They knew what their parents were doing. Um, But above and beyond that, like there were so many other opportunities that we wanted to offer to students um, to say, actually, you might know about a lawyer, but do you also know about like this other job in the law profession that's not quite this, but you know, you might be interested in that. And then coming back to the idea of like finding purpose and identity, I think the more information and the more like, scope and vision that you have available to you, like the better your decision will be and the more aligned it will be to your personal idea of where you wanna go in life. Um, So one typical day, uh, the idea was to create a video platform that would essentially just Mm. offer an insight into lots of different careers and to make it really um, relatable, authentic. And I think one thing that's important for me is like, it's quite peer led. So it's like people who are quite junior in the profession saying, this is what the junior version of this job looks like. And one thing I noticed when I was applying for a legal career was like when you would hear about what a lawyer did, it was always like a senior lawyer or like the head of the firm would be like, oh, here's how my day looks, you know. And I think that's great to know what you're aiming for eventually if you want to aim for that. Um, But there's immense power in someone junior saying to someone else who's about to come in like, oh, this is the reality of the job. And then I think you can make an informed decision about whether you want that or not. Um, So, yeah, it's more about choice and, and vision.
0: Oh, I love that. In fact, I mean, you might even think about or contemplate extending one typical day to the to the organization. And here's why, because about, I don't know, 10 or 12 minutes ago, you brought up generations and, you know, I'm a wannabe millennial. Clearly, I'm well, not clearly, but I'm Gen X. And so how do you see generations right now in the organization, you know, with this, with this concept of purpose and meaning and identity? Is there a difference? You touched on, you know, almost like There's this potential having to wait for the guard to change. And um, that's worrisome, clearly, because I think we need change now. So what's your take, I guess, I suppose, on, on generations and where we might do something about this now?
1: Yeah, I'm always a little hesitant to say like to know what the other generations want um (laughs) because i feel like everyone is such an individual that it's hard to be like these people want this and these people want this like i'm sure there are people in every generation who want similar things and especially when it comes to these topics like meaning and purpose and identity like these are the oldest recorded discussions on you know what it means to be human and what you want to do with your life and i think these are questions that traditions have been pursuing in various ways for millennia
0: Um,
1: So yeah, it's hard to say like, oh, the next generation is gonna be the one that, you know, is the purpose led generation. What I would say is like the structures of work and maybe this is more back to the organizational question of how organizations are changing as a whole, the structure of work is more um, or like more open to people finding their personal passions and identities and maybe doing a bit of this and a bit of this and a portfolio career and, you know, spending time in hybrid work or flexible working. Um, And I think there was some research that I was looking at the other day that said, you know, the new generation coming up are going to have like three times as many jobs in their lifetime as the generation that are just like in seniority now. So it's kind of like, well, if work is changing in that very structural and practical way, that opens up space to think, okay, what do I actually want to do with my time? And maybe I can build skills here and take them elsewhere. Um, So I'm not sure if that really answers the question, but I do think that the structure of work will be more set up to facilitate that kind of deeper exploration, hopefully in the years to come. Maybe as well exacerbated or um, like compelled by the uh, pandemic years of moving online and people being more flexible and having more authority over how and when you work.
0: Got it. Um, So kind of my penultimate line of questioning has to go kind of back to identity, career, purpose and meaning. And it's relationship, I suppose, to the organization's culture. So in the work that you're doing in the workshops and some of your, your coaching and your counseling and everything that you do do, um, do, you, do you think or see or believe or is there some relationship with how the organization's culture and thus how, you know, people are treated affects or doesn't affect you know their their sense of purpose and their meaning and their identity and and whether they're you know engaged or not
1: yeah that's an interesting question um i think you know on a very general level i would say cultures that are more open welcoming like authentic create space for employees to find their own paths are going to be the ones that have then a direct impact on that employee's own journey Mm -hmm. Um, Having said that, I don't, yeah, I'm not sure if I would say that a person would necessarily be prohibited from like finding their own personal identity by like an organization, even if they had you in quite a specific role. Um, My own experience in law was that, you know, my identity was incredibly defined by being a lawyer and being a being a lawyer is one of those careers that if you say law, like people have an idea of what that is, right. Same, you know, there's other traditional careers like teacher or nurse or something like that, where you think, okay, I know what that job is, or I know what it looks like. And then the danger with those kind of jobs where they have an identity that sort of comes along with them is that you sort of then take that identity into your personal life and think, okay, this is like who I am now. And all my friends are lawyers and like I went to law school and so this is like, this is who I must be. But even then, you know, in a job that didn't really give a huge amount of room for personal exploration, I think if you have the sense within you that like you need to go on that kind of journey, then you're going to go on it regardless. I'm not sure, if you know, it would have necessarily put a barrier around going and doing that work. Um, but yeah, having said that, I think the, one of the best things that organizations can do, I think, is allow people to explore, not just professionally, but personally as well. And there's a lot of research around like job design and how you can create a space in which employees can maybe sort of negotiate their role a little bit in favor of the things that they love doing. Um, And so one example of this in my own work is like when I was a lawyer, the best thing that or the thing that I liked the best was um, writing, but like writing in a sort of teaching or educational way. So Mm -hmm. I ended up writing a book for the legal profession. And that was like a little bit of job design, because in a sense, it was like part of my role. But also it was like sort of navigating my role a little bit more towards like the authorship, the teaching, the mentoring. So I think you know, the more jobs can, or the more employers and the more corporations can create space for people to sort of manipulate or like redesign their jobs in ways that suit aspects of their personality. I think that's when you can have a really flourishing employee.
0: Oh, I think you just touched on really the culture that we need to be thinking about in those organizations when we're flexible, but caring enough in the, both the development of the individual, which then I think has this downstream positive or net positive effect because we can then through that investment, the upskilling and the the retention of the employee allows the business or the organization to prosper as well. I, I find maybe your solution is a win-win, would you say?
1: Absolutely. And um, that's interesting because in when we were sort of, um, working through one typical day's sort of market positioning, one of the biggest things that we were finding was actually there is a huge amount of resources and money, frankly, lost by um, employee retention levels being really low when you have someone who's not a good fit for the role or someone who's not allowed to explore within their role and find the right place for them. So like you said, I think it is a win-win. It's got a real financial and like very practical impact to it. If you don't have the right person for the right job, they're either going to be unhappy and not do their best work or they're going to leave. Or both, one after yeah. the other. Um, so I think, yeah, it's definitely like on a culture and organizational level and on a personal employee level, it's all, it's all good.
0: Well, I love it. I think um, if I were CEO of some you know, organization uh, in the UK or Western Europe, I'd hire you. Maybe you and I need to get into business one day and do something together because I, I like your style. So, Eloise, where, where can people find out more about you and everything that you are offering in this world?
1: Yeah, so uh, my website, probably Skinner.com, is the best place to start and all the links, social media, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, all that that stuff.
0: Amazing. Folks, uh, this is Eloise Skinner. Uh, It's been a pleasure really to meet you for the first time. Uh, Fantastic. Hopefully we get to do this again one day and maybe over a pint in London, who knows. But um, keep doing what you're doing. I think we need more Eloises in this world that uh, not only from... An individual perspective what you did to find your way and uh, and embark on a different set of uh, kind of purpose values and meaning for yourself but what you're doing now to further help other individuals in this world with that same rec- reclamation I suppose right of of their own sense of id and identity and uh, keep on helping people through the liminality my friend
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's really great.
0: Thanks, Eloise. Cheers.